So let's face it, managing compliance sucks. It's complicated, it's so hard to keep organized, and it requires a ton of expertise in order to survive the entire process. Welcome to Compliance Unfiltered, a podcast dedicated to making compliance suck less. Now, here's your host, Todd Cashew with Adam Goslin. Well, welcome in to another edition of Compliance Unfiltered. I'm Todd Cashew, alongside uh, a man who literally does compliance problems uh, in his head while walking the dog. It's magic. I've seen it. Adam Goslin, <laughs> how the heck are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing today, Todd? I can't complain. I really can't. It's uh, it is a good day, and out here uh, on my uh, coast, the sun is shining, and uh, I am thankful for it. I, I wish the same for wherever you happen to be listening to our podcast today. Uh, Adam, how are things in your neck of the woods in terms of uh, you know health and and wellness? Things along those lines. Oh, fantabulous! Just living living the dream. Every now and then, I wake up screaming can't complain there. I, uh, I definitely appreciate that. So one of the things that, that I wanted to make sure that we got a chance to chat about here on Compliance Unfiltered um, is really a topic that everybody seems to talk about. Everybody knows the word, but it's rare that I chat with folks that really have a finger on the pulse of what's going on with HIPAA. Talk to me a little bit about HIPAA, about the approach to HIPAA compliance and, and really how to handle it. Yeah, and I suppose I, I I didn't even think about this until right now. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go slightly off track. You know what happens if somebody doesn't know what HIPAA is? Um, so it's the uh, Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Uh, long story short, is it is the certification which is designated for folks in the medical space. Um, so. Um, you know, the, the thing about HIPAA that's, you know, that's challenging, you know, is, you know, there's only about 50, you know, about 50 or so requirements, and it might be less than that, um, uh, in, you know, for the, for the, you know, to be HIPAA compliant. Um, and so from a count perspective, oh, wow, you know, it's, it's under, under 50. I mean, some of these search, you know, you have thousands, right? Um, sure. So, you know, it's a small count. And so, you know, a lot of folks go, oh, well, you know, this is, this, this, it, it seems deceptively simple. Um, you know, one of the problems with HIPAA is that, you know, it was initially intended um, as a framework for, you know, serving everybody from a single practitioner all the way up to a healthcare system. And so the requirements that they put into it are astronomically directional. Um, you know, where, you know, it, it's, it, it's really, um, you know, to kind of further, uh, you know, further the, the complication, if you will, in the HIPAA arena, is that HIPAA takes this approach where the organization is responsible to assess the, their risk of, you know, uh, you know, against the controls that they put in place and they need to be able to justify it. You know, it, effectively, it puts a responsibility on the, the organization that's going through it, that's claiming that they're HIPAA compliant to internally justify their positioning on how they went through and, and approached resolution for, you know, any particular item that's, you know, in the, in the list of HIPAA standards. Well, what's an example of, of a directional item in HIPAA? 
Well, you know, here, I'll give you an example. Here's the, here's the exact wording from one of the HIPAA requirements. Um, implement procedures for the authorization and or supervision of workforce members who work with electronic protected health information or in locations where it might be accessed. And so, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's just a one-liner, right? Sounds easy. Well, the problem is, is that in order to, you know, kind of attack this, we could do it. We, we could tackle this particular requirement in innumerable ways. So organizations kind of struggle with it in a couple of different ways that I've seen. You know, one is, you know, one, one area is where they'll kind of whitewash the, the whole requirement and risk assessment notion, you know, don't really end up getting appropriate controls in place. You know, that poses a risk to the organization itself. Um, yeah. If they, you know, it, you know, if they have a problem, well, you know, guess what? Now they're going to come back and go, well, how did you assess this risk? And was that reasonable? And now we've got a lot of people coming in with opinions and thoughts and, you know, kind of calling you out on the carpet, et cetera. Um, and you're having to justify, oh, this is why I did this. And this is why I did that. And here's why I didn't do this, you know, et cetera. Um, the other side of it is, you know, could have, you know, folks struggling to get controls that are strong enough in place. Um, you know, sure. they, they, they want to try to, you know, meet the requirements of HIPAA, but you know, they're, they're like, Oh, geez, what, what exactly is it that we need to do so that we've got everything covered that we're supposed to, you know, et cetera. So I see kind of a couple of different ways that organizations will kind of struggle navigating the waters. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, what, what would you recommend to companies facing down like a really directional standard? Well, first off, uh, for any organization that's going that's going into this arena, um, you know, certainly if I'm if I'm an organization and I'm going, I, I have to go up against HIPAA. But what else do I need to go up against? Um, you know, whether it's the industry that I'm in, whether it's what my clients are mandating, you know, whatever chosen, adopted other standards we may have we may have taken on, you know, but look at what does that mix of certifications and standards look like um, and determine which of those are the most prescriptive that you've got. Um, HIP is again, very directional. So what other things is it that you've, you know, that you've got in your, you know, kind of arsenal that would be a more prescriptive option. And if you have one of those real prescriptive certifications, use that as your starting point, map all of your evidence from, you know, that you've now got in place up against that standard, map that across HIPAA and basically, you know, find out what the leftovers look like. Sure. That may, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. But I, on the flip side of that coin, not not every organization, you know, is in that position. So what if a company is not subject to a more prescriptive standard? Well, one of the most prescriptive standards that, that that's out there, um, and it's really been this way for quite some time, uh, is the payment card industry data security standard. Uh, a lot of people will short form that to PCI DSS. That's the standard to which credit card data um, is held to. And the reason, you know, why I would use, you know, use something along the lines of, you know, the PCI requirements is that it does a couple of things for you, um, so several things for you. One, there's less of a reliance on internal risk assessment and, you know, kind of possibly increasing risk to the organization if we miss the mark. Um, it gives a really legitimate justification 
that if you're using a prescriptive standard that you fully implemented, well, you know, now you've got a leg to stand on. This is an industry standard. It's being used by people protecting this data, you know, so, you know, the, the portability to, you know, my instance in the HIPAA space would be, you know, would be direct. Um, the, the best part about PCI is it's freely available to any organization out there um, that, you know, you can go out to uh, the PCI website, you can download, you know, copies of their, you know, copies of their requirements and, you know, and whatnot, and be able to, you know, kind of leverage those for, you know, for what you need for your organization. Um, you know, for those that don't, don't know, if you're looking, you know, kind of looking for that data, uh, you go out to the PCI document repository, and I'd recommend one of two, uh, of the standards to, to go out and take a look at. Uh, one is, is something called the self-assessment questionnaire, uh, D as in dog, um, and, uh, go out and look for a self-assessment questionnaire D, which should have all of the in sundry requirements. Otherwise, uh, go out and look at the PCI DSS uh, report on compliance or otherwise short form to ROC, ROC. Um, but in the case of leveraging PCI, which, what the user has to do, and this is something that a lot of people get kind of get hung up on, is, well, this standard for credit card data, but I've got medical data. Well, just look past the fact that the subject is, is focused on credit card data. Mentally, every time you're seeing any references to credit card data, mentally swap it out and in your mind, say sensitive data. And part of this is if I look at the kind of the breadth of PCI, there are very, very few requirements which are very specific to the actual credit card industry. There's some there's some items in there talking about, you know, issuers, you know, if you're an issuer or a shared hosting provider, et cetera. You know, some some of those are going to be, uh, you know, kind of context dependent. But uh, for the you know, for the the general user. I mean, literally 99% of what's on that uh, PCI uh, requirement listing is going to be generically ap applicable to darn near any organization. Well, given the example earlier from HIPAA, what would that look like under PCI? Well, so I read you off the one-liner, right? Uh, the, you know, the, the one easy peasy one-liner out of, you know, out of HIPAA. And, you know, the reality is, is that, you take that and you start breaking it out into its various components, right? Um, you break it out into authentication requirements. There's a there's a whole series of requirements and under PCI and requirement eight that cover authentication. Um, there's a, a series of requirements and requirement seven that cover you know, kind of role-based access control. Given my role within the organization, what should I have access to, which again, you know, kind of works in concert with access, you know, provisioning modifications and deprovisioning, you know, requirements. And in requirement 10, you know, one of, one of the things in the same HIPAA thing was, you know, monitoring, you know, monitoring what's going on. Well, requirement 10 in PCI covers a lot of the monitoring activities through things like central logging. So, you, you know, if I were to, if I were to kind of blow out all the various pertinent requirements just out of those three. And there's some others that could, could sprinkle across and provide additional coverage for, you know, for this particular requirement of HIPAA. 
But, you know, those alone, you're looking at over 30 different specific controls rather than this one directional statement about what you should be doing. Uh, and so, you know, it just it provides a measure of, of specificity so that I don't need to be concerned about, well, should I do this or should I do that, et cetera? You know, you just go in, you grab this, you know, this, uh, you know, kind of uh, very prescriptive standard and go ahead and get it applied, you know, in your arena. And again, you know, swap out, you know, cardholder data for sensitive data, and then you're off and running. Well, what are some of the other considerations for managing like these more directional certifications? Well, I, I mean, certainly you want to stay organized. Um, so, of course, I'm going to recommend use a systematic approach for managing your compliance. Well, because managing compliance sucks. So why not, why not make it suck less? Um, you, you know, on top of that. Uh, depending on the system that's being leveraged, in other words, the compliance management system you're using, um, they may have the ability for uh, mapping requirements from one certification standard to another. So for a lot of organizations, um, you know, they will they will end up sitting down with, you know, so we talked about just let's stick with the same mantra we've been using, which is PCI and HIPAA, right? So, you know, the organization, what, is going to sit down and try to map all of these things between PCI and HIPAA? If the platform you're leveraging already has, you know, starting point, you know, mappings between the certifications, guess what? You just saved an absolute treasure trove of time not needing to go do that internally. And, you know, honestly, the, the target organization may be, you know, may not have the, you know, kind of deep bench technical skills to, you know, to be able to perform that without having to go outside to a consultant or whatever it may be. So it, it can really be a huge time saver and really give them a huge leg up in terms of just the ease with which they can, you know, go ahead and layer their certifications over one another. <clears throat> well, I mean, that, that kind of raises an excellent point here. We started this conversation talking about HIPAA, and now here we are talking about PCI. And, and for the listener, generally speaking, Adam, what type of coverage would one gain of the technical requirements for HIPAA when using something like PCI? Well, when the controls of PCI, when you map them, when you, you know, kind of map them out over, uh, you know, over something like uh, HIPAA, you know, my expectation is that the technical requirements uh, of PCI literally would dwarf HIPAA. So, you know, it's typical, especially, HIPAA especially, just because there's only, you know, whatever, 45 to 50, you know, different actual line items type of thing. It's not unusual for uh, one to take, you know, 12 different requirements or 18 different requirements and, and map them down over a single, you know, kind of HIPAA line item, if you will. Uh, but at the end of the day, something that has the depth and breadth of something like PCI is going to provide, you know, basically total coverage for, you know, for your, oh, wow. uh, you know, for your technical requirements. Now, <clears throat> it depends on the directional cert, right? So if I'm going with some other directional cert, is it 100% of the technical requirements? Maybe not. But generally speaking, you take any of these, you know, I'll call them the, the, the big, you know, big names in the, you know, in the compliance space. You take a HIPAA, a SOC, an ISO, uh, NIST-CSF, PCI, you know, and now you start kind of bouncing these up against one another. The technical requirements side, generally speaking, unless you get something that's, 
you know, really off the beaten path. Um, maybe something like one of the DOD specific, uh, you know, uh, you know, requirements that they would leverage for somebody literally, you know, dealing with nuclear launch codes or something. Um, you know, then, you know, the, the, the coverage is going to be pretty damn high. Um, you know, some at, yeah, bare minimum about 80%, in some cases 95 to 98%. You know, it just depends on which two certs that you're kind of bouncing up against one another. But that's the one thing that a lot of these organizations don't, you know, kind of don't um don't get is just how much coverage you can have cert to cert, and especially with something with as few requirements as HIPAA, uh, they're as broad as they are it's it's almost impossible not to be able to to just dwarf something like that um once you're done mapping the you know mapping the requirements from a pci over to a hipaa you know you end up with leftovers now the leftovers they're not related to technical requirements so there's a couple of different elements that are um, kind of situationally specific in hipaa um, you know, where if you're a, you know, some type of a, you know, healthcare clearinghouse, there's certain requirements that you've got to go meet, which for most organizations, they just NA that off and, you know, and then they're done. The one that, that's kind of omnipresent that I've seen in, in most engagements is the business associate agreement. Um, they, they typically will short form that to BAA. Um, a BAA is an agreement effectively through the receiver of the, you know, of the sensitive medical data uh, and whomever they end up sharing that with. Um, the organization that is doing the sharing um, is the one that needs a business associate agreement in place and that it, with whoever they're sharing it with. And that basically governs responsibility for data, uh, data protection uh, with those people that you're sharing the data with. You need to have a BAA in place with each of them that kind of provides that governance. Um, but, you know, that's the, you know, that that's the main one that, you know, you'll typically see see left over. So when I see organizations go in and do this, you know, kind of PCI to HIPAA, um, you know, style approach. <clears throat> the cool part is if you're if you're using a system to go in and do it and you know what items are going to provide coverage and you know which items are not. Well, now I can almost take on the HIPAA track parking lot, all of the items that are already going to get covered by, you know, by the other certification. And then just I, now I can laser beam focus, right? I can go in, I can focus on those items that aren't going to be covered. I can NA out what I need to get working on my BAAs, you know, gathering up all that documentation while I'm, you know, curing all of the deep technical, you know, uh, you know, technical requirements of, of something like a PCI. Um, you know, it's, it's awesome because you can just, you know, run these, you know, run these in tandem and effectively provide, you know, kind of coverage for your, for your HIPAA track as a default result of using a, you know, a more prescriptive standard like PCI. Huh. That is such a detailed approach. I feel like this is something that can not only be done one time, but it would be very easy to replicate year over year. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you think about it, right, if you've got the, 
if you've already gone through and you've done the work and I'm using PCI as an example, but fill in the blank company, maybe dealing with others. I don't know. Maybe they got an SCSF, whatever it may be. Um, but it, it really doesn't matter once you've gone in and kind of done that, you know, done that initial legwork, you know, and whatnot for getting all of your mappings together, you know, certainly you're going to be in for more entertainment the first time that you go through the process. Um, but that said, once I've gone through that once, now I know my mappings. Now I know what 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 line items you know mirror up to my items within HIPAA. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, one of the you know one of the things which has been kind of constantly gaining speed in the you know in the security and compliance arena is this notion of like a continuous compliance. Now you know. Uh, TCT happens to call that operationalizing your compliance. Uh, sure. It, but basically what it means is those requirements that you're responsible to do on a periodic basis. So that's the other nice thing about PCI is it provides some directional guidance on what are the things we should be going in and checking on, you know, et cetera. So there's, there's certain things which are supposed to be done every day, every week, every month, you know, every quarter twice a year and once a year. And so with that type of kind of a strong, um, you know, strong standard that you're going up against as your, you know, kind of as your, uh, you know, centerpiece or cornerstone of your program, it also provides you with the ability to turn that into an operational track where you're, you're making sure I'm keeping up with all of those things I need to do through the year because of the fact that you have those requirements mapped automatically down and over top of something like your HIPAA. Well, now you can just go through the rigor and, you know, the majority of the rigor of your, you know, kind of security program on that more prescriptive cert. And literally as a result, as you're going through the year, it's automatically dropping evidence right onto your, you know, right onto your HIPAA track. It almost like fills in the blanks on the HIPAA track as you go is one side of it. And the other side of it is that at the same time, you are, uh, you know, providing a very strong stance for your, um, you know, a very strong stance for your overall information security program, uh, you know, at the same time, which ends up working out, you know, working out fantastic. You basically almost get like a, a, a two for when all, when all is said and done, not the least of which is when I'm rounding out that kind of second year, you know, the, the way I describe it to people is the first year that you're going to kind of, kind of going through, you know, getting your program really, you know, really together. That's always super exciting right but year two uh, you know kind of the first year past we made it that year two is a year where you're still kind of getting things together but things are starting to feel a little bit more solid at that point in the game um but certainly by the time you're getting into the kind of year three year four you know now your programs kind of hit its stride you've you know you've got this stuff in lockstep you've got your program running on all cylinders and um it's actually awesome being able to go back and refer to easily refer to what exactly did we do last year? What exactly did we use for evidence last year? What exactly worked to be able to make it through, you know, through our process, the, you know, the time before who did it, when did they do it? These are all, you know, elements, which are, which are huge. Uh, and so those, those clients that are, you know, that are getting into uh, getting into that level of maturity. Yeah. It's, it, it starts to become substantially less painful than uh, unfortunately most people's experience in kind of years one and two. That's great stuff. 
Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Compliance Unfiltered. I'm Todd Cashel. And I'm Adam Goslin. Hope we helped to get you fired up to make your compliance suck less. 